Welcome to the grant, the EU funding podcast. The grant. My name is Nils Tudovinder, and I am the creator, editor, and host of the grant. The Grant is an independent, non-commercial podcast initiative with the ambition to dig into all corners of the EU R&D funding system on topics of interest for the full EU R&D funding community. Europe is at war, not just since February 2022, but actually since 2014 when Russia invaded Crimea. That incident triggered a reaction in the former European Commission under President Juncker. It was decided to establish a defense fund to strengthen European defense industry and military capacities. We all know what happened later on, and as such, establishing the fund is almost prophetical. Calls are up this autumn for this funding scheme, and hence, I considered it a good idea to record an authoritative the grant introduction to the funding scheme to help everybody that are working with proposals for these calls at this moment. I invited expert on the program Margarita Volpe, Research and Innovation Consultant, Security and Space Knowledge Area Leader at Sharpala Innovation Consulting, into the virtual podcast studio to take us all through the program. The episode is divided into two. In the first part, we cover the political and strategic background of the funding scheme and the structure of the program, including types of funding, content categories, typical project activities, and call round frequency. Please enjoy. Welcome to the Grand the EU Funding Podcast. Um, today, we will have another introduction to another uh, funding scheme, and it's uh, it's a big uh, it's a big animal to chew down. All these different funding schemes, the Horizon Europe, of course, that's that's where it started. And I continued into Erasmus Plus uh, ERC, and uh, now. If, because I pick things up on LinkedIn and the flow there, I, uh, we will have a talk about security today and defense. I have a guest, as I always have these days. It's very nice. And before I say anything else, Margarita, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here to this evening. Pleasure's all mine. And Margarita, um, before I do, before I do anything else, can you just you know, like present yourself shortly, who you are and where you work? <laughs> yes, of course. I'm Margherita Volpe. I work in Zabala Innovation in the office of Brussels. Zabala Innovation is a consultancy company that uh, since more than 35 years is specialized in uh, research and innovation strategies and in particular in the access to uh, research and innovation uh, from funding support. So myself, I'm mostly working on European funding programs and I'm specializing in security, so civil security, defense and uh, space related uh, programs. I've been working in uh, the domain of funding, funding programs 
since uh, more than 10 years now and uh, I'm very passionate about these kind of uh, programs uh, and opportunities especially because uh, they are always changing it is always uh, an interesting challenge to to get to know them and uh, and there is the pos- and they offer us as a consultant, the possibility to work with uh, very interesting people with very innovative ideas and the domain of uh, security and defense is a uh, is not a niche actually is a uh, really cross cutting in several uh, in several other sectors. So my goal is a little bit to to spread this uh, this idea that uh, there are parts uh, or aspects of innovation. Um, and security-related innovation everywhere in every sector that needs to be considered. Mm-hmm. But uh, today, we're especially focusing on uh, what it is specifically dedicated to defense innovation. Yeah, yeah. We will introduce the 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 European Defense Fund, and you will be the 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 guests to give the authoritative, the grand authoritative uh, update and introduction to that program. So, uh, so congratulations, you got that get that feather on your head. Um, so, you are. I always ask my guests on which sort of where on on which leg they have the weight and the experience. So, are you have you been so? You You've been a consultant throughout the years in your career, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Great. Great. Great consultant. Yes. Uh, yes always. I started in uh, in this domain uh, in uh, working in Italy uh, more than ten years ago. Mm-hmm. It was uh, my very first job. I was very passionate about uh, this uh, this kind of uh, activities and projects. I started with smaller tender, and then I grew up uh, learning on uh, on the job everything that concerned uh, Horizon 2020 first, uh, DG-specific uh, grant programs, uh, for example, about critical infrastructure protection and uh, civil security, and uh, little by little developed my expertise uh, more in the space, uh, defense sector, and uh, nowadays defense is having uh, quite an hype, and I am very eager to to work uh, with more and more companies in these kind of uh, topics. Um, again, uh, defense is not only for arm uh, ammunition or uh, traditional things, but it is also about uh, materials or uh, about uh, energy consumption for military purposes. So there is really a lot to to work on and to discover inside of this kind of uh, specific problems. Yeah. Before we, uh, it's it's because it's of course it's a highly a relevant uh, funding scheme these days. We'll get back to that shortly. Um, but uh, as as for you, I was I was saying. So I've been working as a, as a grants consultant for a combined five years, and it killed me. <laughs> so I'm, I'm always I I have a, a certain uh, admiration for people who who manages to to stick in the sector and and who who actually likes it because I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it, it killed me. <laughs> That's why I'm not doing it anymore. But it, it's it's. I know a lot about it because I insisted for many years, right? So it's so I know a lot about the conditions and how this is. And this is why I admire you all a lot. And and and, uh, and this is why I have made a specific corner in the grant called the consultants corner uh, to discuss, you know, like specifically business models and conditions for the grants consultancy sector because it's a shadow sector. So it's a and the challenges that comes with our job, the long hours, as well as uh, the the need to always learn something new, because every project is a is a new challenge. So I totally agree that it is yeah. not uh, an easy job, but I'm still very passionate about it. 
Excellent. For new listeners, uh, if you check my back catalog, I have I have uh, a lot of, of of content already on on conditions for consultants, but also with digging into business models, different companies. So, so you can check that out on the grant.eu. Now, nah. uh, enough of the self promotion here. Now you get a chance for the promotion <laughs> <laughs> of uh, of Shavala. Can you uh, shortly present the company? Uh, um, no, consultancy company specializes in uh, supporting. Uh, companies, uh, SMEs, uh, and also the search organization in accessing uh, funding uh, programs. In particular, in my case, I'm specialized in uh, uh, European funding programs, but the company per se uh, works also on uh, national funding programs in uh, Spain and France in particular, and uh, also on tax credit in uh, France and, uh, and Spain uh, as well. Within uh, the European funding uh, uh, domain, uh, we have achieved uh, in the latest uh, programs, so especially in uh, uh, Horizon Europe, a 35% success uh, rate, which uh, we are very proud of. And we are working to support any kind of application with uh, specialized in different sectors. Uh, the company has uh, started uh, with a core focus on uh, energy and environment, but along the years has evolved with uh, people specialized in several different sectors. By now, we have 12 knowledge area, among which also the uh, security, uh, defense and space one, uh, of which uh, I am uh, the knowledge area leader. In this uh, um, unit, we are working on several different programs, of course, uh, uh, Cluster 3 of Horizon Europe dedicated to civil security, but we are also working on uh, uh, the European Defence Fund, which will be the object of today's chat, and as well as uh, um, space-related uh, funding opportunities, uh, uh, Internal Security Fund that is dedicated to police forces. So we cover many, many, many aspects and um, of this uh, complex uh, domain and a very articulated one. Mm. So the thing is with with the within this <clears throat> special uh, sector of grants consultancy <clears throat> when you have smaller companies uh, they have to uh, they have either they have to narrow in uh, and only mm-hmm. cover a, a few topics for what you have of of capacities or they have to be really good in shifting uh, and digging into to to different areas and there are there's a certain constraint when you're not so many people and this is the difference and advantage that big grants consultancy companies have start to be able to develop a lot of 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 things behind the curtain right so you develop i know that you have developed for instance a, a, a so what is that that's a database a of uh, this carrier uh, yes. thing yeah Kyla. yeah the pno had a similar thing uh you would have the possibility to create all sorts of, of, of back office uh things that you can use and sell uh, for the the administrative part of project and so on and so forth which is difficult when you're a small organization right so that's uh that's yes, that's the advantage yes. that uh, that these large grants consultancies as Sharpler has. Um and it's uh it's it, Sharpler was and is the largest competitor to PO. PO keeps growing. Uh but I say you I think you you uh, you keep running after each other like this, right? <laughs> yes indeed. Uh, the company started as a as a Zavala uh, started as a family company, so as a small company with really the effort of people that were very committed to realize quality work, mm-hmm. and this uh, and this spirit has uh, remained. 
although by now we are 450 people, so exactly we are growing a lot. We are trying to have people highly specialized. Several of my cl- of my colleagues have a, a PhD or are highly specialized in a, spe- in a specific sector. So we really invest on quality and on offering a, a large set of uh, uh, services. As uh, you were mentioning, we have a dedicated platform that allows to investigate uh, funding opportunities in uh, different uh, uh, throughout a different funding scheme as well as uh, to have intelligence about the previous project funded uh, innovators uh, in a certain uh, sector and so on no thanks for sh- <laughs> thanks for sharing yeah Marius, european defense fund yes <laughs> let's uh, let's dig into it um flying so, from I just myself, if I, I did a small small desktop yesterday because this is actually not related to what has happened in Europe the last year and a couple of months, right? This is something that happened, but is actually related to Russia and related to what happened two thousand fourteen, right? Um, yes, so it's 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 correct that that because of what happened in fourteen with Crimea, then the former Commission. Uh, and Commissioner President Juncker, he mm-hmm. initiated the the fund, right? Is that right? Yeah. Yes, there was this uh, uh, cornerstone uh, uh, State of the Union speech in which uh, President Juncker called for the, the finish for strengthening our efforts in the defense uh, sector, our shared effort and common uh, um, work or common intentions towards strengthening uh, defense uh, activities and uh, to the to define a European defense fund. From that uh, moment in 2016, uh, from this uh, State of the Union speech, uh, several things happened. There were preparatory programs that anticipated the European Defense Fund, and then eventually in 2021, the first uh, call for a uh, proposal of the European Defense Fund was launched. Uh, but before there were, as I mentioned, two preparatory programs uh, that uh, prepared and anticipated the works that we are doing now to experiment the, the type of uh, format that uh, uh, the European Commission would like to have uh, to to, for, uh, to support defense activities. Mm-hmm. The first one was 2017-2019. Uh, it was the preparatory action on defense research, the so-called other. Other. So 90 millions were allocated to start to understand how to finance uh, defense activities. Then there was a second uh, program called European Defense Industrial Development Program, and it had uh, 500 million allocated. And then we come to uh, the 2021 uh, 2021-27 period, in which we have approximately 8 billion allocated to the European Defense Fund. Mm. What it is quite relevant is uh, that uh, this is uh, um, differently from Horizon Europe, uh, a program that is uh, organized in annual work programs. Mm -hmm. So every year we have a different work program and typically there is no uh, biannual anticipation of the topics like we have in Horizon Europe. Here is uh, something different. And of course, uh, the topics might get adapted according to what it is happening in the reality. Mm-hmm. We'll get back to that. But actually, the the seriousness uh, and, and the dark clouds, the seriously dark clouds hanging over our continent has 
sort of made it more and more relevant to 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 strengthening this 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 funding scheme right because the europe do we do not have a a solid military access or a block it's there's a collaboration we have mm-hmm. a on the political level right so you have a collaboration between the 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 member states that has agreed to joining such a thing and they they have sort of a, a they have sort of a collaboration of sending out sort of a fast moving yeah. uh, expedition uh, military mm-hmm. units and so on but it has nothing to do with the capacity of nato and it should not be in 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 competition with nato it was even though france probably would like that in the beginning that's not mm-hmm. the case here yeah but but still the european union the political decisions mm-hmm. around this is a a realization that we we can never stand on our own legs in relation to the america but at least we can try <laughs> yeah at least we can try to make an effort and say look it's we know that you throw a lot of money into this uh, our dear americans but but at least we try in our end to 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 move forward together in, in, on the continent right to to at least have some sort of of, of solidity and build up mm-hmm. our capacities and being able to facing a new reality in our uh, surroundings here So that's the exactly. that's the back curtain of everything here, right? Yes, and uh, of course the Commission has a has an intention, and the European Union has an intention and an interest to foster collaboration among uh, European countries and the companies that are in the European countries uh, towards uh, defense, not only to be autonomous, which is one uh, of uh, the key objectives and principles, but also to to strengthen our competitiveness against uh, other other players that are of course uh, very strongly established in uh, in uh, in other countries. The idea is that we should have our autonomy reduce the fragmentation that we had in the European market for defense products and solutions, and be capable of working collaboratively cross-border among at least our our companies. And uh, the European Defense Fund, in some ways, also fostering the creation of uh, and the identification of common requirements among member states. Mm. And this is part of the development actions, and we will speak about them uh, yeah. later. Yeah, but this is also, Margarita, it's also, uh, it's also a matter of of getting the the sector out of of the of the worm pit, right? Because this is how it's been seen. Mm until recently that this is so, something ugly something that we don't want to touch you know mm-hmm. uh, yes. I'm, munitions uh, weapons you know it's been viewed upon like the uh, well for good reasons <laughs> for many years like like the very dirty sector but the tide is shifting realizing that this we indeed need to gather our uh, strength, so to say, around this sector, give it the attention it needs because we need them. Of course. <laughs> And uh, there is a lot that has been done in the civil sector that can be transferred to the defense one. And again, uh, um, I think that the Commission is trying also to 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 make us see that uh, uh, defense is not only about ammunition, mm-hmm. but is also about uh, keeping our uh, the soldiers uh, with uh, the latest... Uh, For example, uh, dress and um, sweets. Uh, yeah, outfit, outfits. 
outfits, yep. thank you for, for the word, that can help them to, to work appropriately in very complex and difficult environments, as well as um, energy or um, solution that can allow the realization of a, a camp on the field mm-hmm. and so on. So there is a lot to work on, the, we, and we cannot be completely dependent to uh, solutions that are coming from third countries. We need to be also autonomous in the development of these kind of solutions also in my view because uh, uh, we have soldiers display, um, around the world and we want to offer them uh, solutions that can help them uh, in uh, in their work yeah, so it's it's about it's about strengthening and gathering the sector getting a, a you know like a, a a a force behind and say look we're behind you we give you money now to develop And make you because this is the war in Ukraine has shown everybody. We already knew that this is where things are moving. But the war in Ukraine has shown us that technology is king. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Techno- it's 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 new technologies. They're going to win that war. Together with efforts, right? But it, it's it's going to play a very vital part in whatever happens uh, in armed conflicts. Uh, in the years to come. Um, no. And we cannot ignore the developments uh, that the technologies have done just because uh, defense is, uh, 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 as you mentioned before, a sector that uh, is uh, less uh, typical, mm-hmm. uh, typically uh, uh, affected. No, it's not the, the perfect word, but uh, let's say Uh, is not the typical target of research and innovation. Yeah. But the research and innovation needs to help also the defense sector because uh, we are facing new challenges like, uh, for example, CBRNA, so chemical, biological, uh, radiological risks. Mm-hmm. And soldiers are facing this kind of risk. So we need to bring the best technologies developed in the civil sectors mm-hmm. also at disposal to the defense uh, uh, one. Yeah. As well as digitalization, of course, as the, the power of uh, uh, artificial intelligence, remote controls, uh, and IoT, and so on. Of course, the commission, uh, the, the, there is a common understanding that the, to change the defense sector, it is a, a much longer uh, work than uh, uh, the civil sector. So I think that uh, this uh, uh, funding program is an attempt to push uh, the introduction of research results. Also in a sector that has been typically considered more static and less open to to change and innovation. It's also an expensive sector. It's also an expensive sector, <laughs> absolutely, because the challenges are quite big uh-huh. that the soldier faces, and it's not exactly. Imagine the, the case of uh, um, chemical and biological risk is not that the soldier can have a, a full lab in place. They have to bring on the field whatever they can, a small uh, transportable lab uh, based on which they can analyze um, samples of materials. So it is challenging. And maybe there are shortage of energy. Maybe there are shortage of uh, um, people, mm-hmm. of course, <laughs> specialists and so on. So there are very complex, uh, not to do, not to mention the fact that uh, there might be explosions going on. Uh, That's what you have in war. You need flexibility. You need to move fast. You need to change conditions conti- continuously. You need the people die around you. You might be hurt. Exactly. Just all this stuff. Again, to move the things quickly to protect the people that uh, are uh, there. Mm-hmm. 
to to do the job. So it's a it's a really complex uh, uh, complex sector, and where this uh, is expensive to find the the right solution for them. Um, it's all very interesting, but we have to get down to uh, to very concrete, uh, tangible, uh, <laughs> and uh, and and concrete uh, structure of this this program and how this works. Because this is this is uh, this uh, program will introduce everybody to the funding scheme. So there's a there's a reference. Uh, this is a reference episode where you can listen to this and find out. So what? How do I approach this program? If 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 uh, if this is a research teams, uh, if you want to do this or company so so let's start out with the the structure of the the funding scheme um can you uh open that up for us so um, what types of funding is it is it uh, is it is it is it grants is it uh do you is it is it uh, what do you say uh, do you have self do you fund yourself funding rate or you know, like is it uh, what kind of and what's the typical project activities and so on so um okay so um, we are speaking about grants uh, absolutely mm-hmm. and uh, the funding rate is different uh, depending on the type of activities uh, but uh, so it's not as a uh, uh, straightforward as it might be in Horizon Europe, where we have a 100% or 70% funding rate in the majority of the cases. Here is a little bit more complex, but we are still speaking about a grant. So this means that our money that the Commission is giving to selected projects for implementing them and not asking anything back in return in terms of money. So this is a grant scheme. What I was mentioning before is that uh, we uh, the program is uh, um, uh, is open for seven uh, for seven years, so from 2021 to 2027. But it is organized in annual work programs, meaning that uh, each year uh, around March there is the publication of uh, the co- the call topics. So the topics that will be uh, object of call for proposals uh, during uh, the year. Then typically the, there is an opening for presenting the proposal in June and the deadline, the final deadline is typically in November. So this is the flow. Mm-hmm. And uh, exactly in the moment in which the calls are uh, for one year are published, uh, the commission starts the work for defining uh, the next uh, year work program. And this uh, is a long work because it needs to be um, agreed with the member states, uh, receive the inputs of the member states, consider several different other um, programs uh, like uh, the Permanent Structure Cooperation uh, PESCO program, uh, synergy with other uh, programs of the European Commission, uh, and so on. So there, there is a lot of work that goes beyond the realization of uh, these annual work programs. What it is interesting is that to know for everybody is that uh, the approach of the European Defence Fund along the seven year was uh, to start small and grow along the years. So, so for example, from uh, last year there were about nine hundred millions allocated, and this year in the the, uh, the two thousand twenty three work program we are having one point two uh, billion, mm-hmm. so almost a thirty percent increase. And the idea is that the trend and the anticipation is that the trend will continue to grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, progressively year by year. Uh, 
Um, if we go a little bit more into the details uh, of uh, what it is inside, well, the basics, the basic uh, thing to know is that there are um, research actions, so something that is uh, less mature. So we are speaking about activity related to the generation of knowledge, integration of knowledge, activity of design of new prototypes, mm-hmm. and development actions uh, where you where you can get uh, to prototyping, testing, uh, qualification, uh, certification, and increasing the efficiency of the production of a certain solution. As you can see, there is a sort of parallel uh, respect to uh, Horizon Europe, mm-hmm. where we have yeah. research and innovation action and innovation action. In the case of the European Defence Fund, we call them research action and development actions. Mm-hmm. Apart from this distinction, there is another one. Uh, there is another relevant one that is uh, the fact that there are thematic topics. Yeah. So something dedicated to a specific area, for example. Uh, underwater warfare or uh, sensors, uh, cyber uh, things, uh, space, Mm -hmm. digital transformation and so on. So these are thematic. And then there are bottom-up calls that are dedicated to, for example, the collaboration between SMEs and research organizations for the development of disruptive solutions. So they are more open and general, although they give us some uh, some indication of preferred or inter- of interesting uh, technologies, but these are uh, open. But uh, is the, do, how many areas do you have? Are they divided into sub-work programs like in Horizon like this? So how does that work? No, uh, actually the, the, the structure is organized in topic. This year we have 34 okay. topics. And what is uh, the calls are what uh, what I was mentioning before: uh, research, uh, action, development, action, uh, and uh, uh, bottom-up uh, uh, activities. Mm-hmm. Then there is a subdivision, but this is uh, yeah. There always like there are always little uh, asterisks in the whatever program. Um, exactly. Yeah. If you so, what's a you know, like typical project activities? What are the typical project activities? So, is well, it, is it, so it's, it goes all, all the way, like in Ryzen, so from research, basic research to to uh, to demonstration pilot projects. Or well, um, there is a there is a inside the Horizon, uh, sorry, the European Defence Fund. Uh, there are a lot of activities uh, that can be considered, and they are really classified. So uh, we are speaking about uh, generating knowledge. Mm. We are speaking about integrating knowledge, studies, design, system prototyping, testing, qualification, certification, and increasing efficiency in the life cycle uh, of the production of the solution. Mm-hmm. Depending on the type of topic, uh, development action or research action, certain activities are accepted, are foreseen, mm-hmm. and others are not. So a research action that is uh, less uh, mature development uh, we are getting from generation of knowledge to design activities these are the activities that are eligible mm-hmm. and then uh, for when it, when it comes to development action instead we starting we are starting at a higher PRL, uh, let's say so from the integration of knowledge to study design prototyping up to the certification and uh, optimization of the efficiencies of the production activity so the, it is very large, the spectrum of activities that are foreseen, but the topics, differently from uh, Horizon uh, Europe, specify exactly what it is uh, eligible or not eligible inside uh, your proposal. So 
reading well the topic becomes uh, absolutely key in order to be sure to really be inside of the eligibility spectrum. Uh-huh. It's not only a matter of justifying TRL with a short description, but really to allocate one word package per each one or more word package per each type of activities among the categories that I have mentioned before. And if I may <laughs> go a step ahead, mm-hmm. this corresponds also to the uh, funding rate because depending on the nature of the ac- uh, of the activity, mm-hmm. the ones that I was mentioning before, there is a different funding rate. Yeah. So the funding rate is different; can be different per work package. So the the final funding rate is determined by the type of activity that you have inside the, the project. What's the logic behind that? The logic beyond that is very similar to the one of Horizon, like uh, some activities are uh, more potentially profitable for organizations. Okay. Yeah. So what is the lowest? Now we're moving in uh, a bit. The lowest is actually quite low because in prototyping, uh, we are having the 20% of, uh, of funding rate. Whereas the highest funding rate uh, should be the 90% of studies. Of course, this concerns uh, the development actions. For research actions, all the activities are funded at 100% because mm. we consider that they are more far from the, from the market, so less profitable. And everything that is a research action is funded at 100%. When it comes to development actions, so things that are more close to the market, each uh, type of activity as a different funding rate. But luckily enough, and to make the things uh, even simpler, <laughs> to be ironic, <laughs> there, is a, there is a bonus system for which, based on which you can increase the funding rate Ooh. of each type of activity. <laughs> so this type of bonus depends on the fact of the project being part of the PESCO uh, structure, so the permanent structure cooperation, or uh, the more easily the type of partners that you have. So if you have mid-caps uh, involved and they have a certain level of uh, uh, eligible costs, uh, then you have a bonus of 10% uh, for each activity, each type of activity. If you have SMEs, mm-hmm. you have another kind of bonus. If the SMEs are cross-border, you have another kind of bonus. So again, reading the topic is key and defining very well the Consortium structure is mm-hmm. another key thing in order to maximize the funding rate. Yeah. Um, so it's reflecting the market. This is a highly profitable market, right? When you come to have, uh, yes, the, the member state. The, the closer you are to the, the end of the line, so to say, uh, commercialization, the less you get. Much less you get because it's it's they earn so much money when they come out. Uh. Yes, and I consider that uh, for the, the development actions, so those more close to the market, you need to prove uh, to have at uh, least um, two member states endorsing your project, meaning that you have at least two buyers, prospective buyers mm-hmm. that have agreed on the uh, requirements of your project so they are interested in uh, acquiring it uh, in perspective and when you get a uh, a state uh, that is willing maybe they should introduce that to russian europe 
<laughs> the, <laughs> that's all right, Europe on speed. No, but it, anyways, if you have this kind of this, this is um, of course if you if you have this kind of commitment on the other side, it's then you have are you sure then you're sure that the results are being used. I've just been running episodes on on results not being used. <laughs> it's a very <laughs> old problem. Yeah, it's yeah. In this sector, you have only let's say twenty seven buyers. So securing two of them is a is quite a potential challenge for for some organization, mm-hmm. and of course the market is not so wide, so you cannot uh, redirect the product to someone else. And the and the other rationale behind is that uh, we should get to harmonize uh, defense uh, capability requirements, meaning that there is also a sort of push towards uh, the member states uh, to agree on some common requirements. Mm-hmm. And, to support one of the other projects. Yeah, because the, here we're also talking about ethics, right? So you don't want to create. It's it's not in the in the charter of the European Union to be a munitions, heavy munitions, and and exporter. You understand? Mm. You know, if yes, if yes. we if we start to build up a huge uh, defense sector, which can also be used in conflicts around the globe, right? Uh, then of course there's an ethical issue there. That uh, yeah, so, yeah. I think that in part the the commission is uh, absolutely transmitting the the general values uh, that he has. Uh, it has also through this program because there are, for example, call for proposal dedicated to greener fuels also for the um, the defense sector. So the principles that of uh, reducing the impacts uh, on the environment that are driving the green uh, deal are also somehow popping up out also here in the European Defense Fund. Then, of course, uh, Europe is uh, based on very strong uh, ethical principles so will not finance uh... it's a difficult task to it's a difficult square to fit into a circle right absolutely <laughs> yeah because you cannot fully avoid that some of the stuff that's being developed will be used outside europe in other conflicts uh, so what do you want to do about that you know it's uh, uh, it's a complex uh, <laughs> situation uh-huh uh, Anything else about the structure of the program before we dig into a target group and how to apply and so on? Because in the uh, in the in the how to apply, we're going to cover proposal types, number of partners, funding, all well, this. Well, I would like to, to mention a little bit the categories, uh, just of yes. the thematic areas. Yeah, yeah. So to, to give a little bit of flavor what, of what it is inside this uh, this work program. Yeah. So uh, inside each category, there might be one or more topic of research or development type, but the category uh, that uh, are stable. So you will find these categories uh, along all the work work programs. So we have defense, medical response, chemical, biological, biological, radiological, and nuclear uh, defense. So here we are speaking about CBRNA and health-related aspects of defense, information superiority, uh, so tactical uh, information, for example, mm-hmm. sensors, which might uh, also help, uh, for example, uh, the grid that is installed in a, in a camp field. Mm-hmm. Uh, cyber uh, aspects concerning, for example, cyber situational awareness. Space, so threat surveillance based on uh, satellite images, for example. Digital transformation, so here it is uh, quite a peculiar uh, aspect. Uh, category this year, but uh, 
imagine that everything that deals uh, with hardware and software uh, change is uh, can be can appear here depending on the priority of the year. Materials and components, this is uh, something that uh, I am quite uh, fascinated about because it's about the materials of uh, uh, that the, the folders will be wearing or using uh, on the site. Mm -hmm. Energy and environment, as I was mentioning, air combat, iron missile defense, ground combat, force protection and mobility, naval combat, underwater warfare, and then we have the cross-cutting, uh, uh, so the bottom-up Mm -hmm. topics. So as you might see, it is, uh, uh, as uh, the audience also might appreciate, there is not only ammunition and ground combat uh, mm -hmm. or combat in general, which is absolutely present and is absolutely there, mm -hmm. but there is also every, a lot of things that surround the, the, the defense uh, world that make it possible for, for the people to work. So energy, health, uh, sensors, uh, digital uh, and, uh, and intelligence uh, information and so on. So the, and this is also the reason why the Commission is stressing a lot the fact that it is encouraging the, tra um, the transformation, that um, the application of uh, civil research and innovation results to the defense sector, mm -hmm. because probably in terms of uh, energy and environment, uh, there are more advanced solutions developed in the civil sector, which can be adapt adapted yeah, to, the, sure. to the defense one. Mm -hmm. it, it makes sense. Yeah. And uh, then there are the, the three thematic calls. So the first one is dedicated to non-thematic research action targeting disruptive technology for defense. Imagine something like uh, um, an AC program, so something uh, open and looking for really disruptive solutions and a game-changing uh, solution. Mm -hmm. Then there is a non-thematic research action for collaboration between SME and research organizations, mm -hmm. so stri strictly targeting this type of collaboration, again, open uh, in terms of subject matter, but uh, strictly targeting this kind of collaboration. And then finally, a non-thematic development action by SMEs. Here we are only um, targeting SMEs as participants and as like, a, I would say, similar to a, a AC accelerator. So something for small and medium enterprises that wants to develop something very close to the market mm -hmm. and ready to be deployed. Margaret, yeah. um, uh, is it... Is the program taking into consideration the fact that you have a lot of strong players outside Europe? Yes. <laughs> is, is, no, Israel is called part of uh, America, uh, China. Yes. So you have you have some you have some some. Probably we don't want to collaborate too much with China on this, right? But at least America is that written into the program. That is, uh, do you have this kind of course where it's specifically like you have in Horizon America, USA can be? How is that? No. It no. is considered in a strictly exclusive way. Okay. Meaning that uh, the one of the core eligibility conditions is that the consortium needs to include uh, organizations strictly based in Europe, okay. so EU27 plus yeah. Norway, and also the infrastructure and the type of, and the activities and the subcontractors needs to be located in Europe and Norway. So. Um, 
the other thing, the other, sorry, the other, the additional condition is that also the ownership of these companies and these organizations that are applied for the defense fund should not be inter countries. So we are speaking about companies that are based and owned by, uh, Euro, that are based in Europe and owned by other European uh, organizations. Okay. So this is in line with the uh, promotion of uh, autonomy, competitiveness of the European uh, defense market, and so on, as well as the fact of becoming uh, uh, self-reliant uh, uh, on, uh, on our developments in uh, in defense. What about the UK? No. Excluded. <laughs> yeah. No, no, but it's a very, it's an interesting political decision, right? But it's, uh, it's, it's uh, security and defense. So, yeah. Well, uh, yes, I, I've, I've, I'm appreciating every day the difficulties that the Brexit has caused. Uh, so, so for the defense sector and for the type of complexity that this uh, sector is facing, I'm operatively, operatively happy that they made this uh, cross-cutting decision to, to set the, the, the program like this. It is crystal clear. You have to be in Europe, you have to be owned by Europe, you have to do your activities in Europe, plus Norway. It makes it easy as a grants consultant, naturally. Yeah, You don't have all kind of, 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 of slippery backdoors. You know? Exactly. I mean, uh, in respect to other programs here, there are no specific conditions. I, I can only reply, no. Not yeah. eligible. Yeah. It's also it. easy for our dear listeners to understand. <laughs> <laughs> And um, in terms of eligibility, just uh, as we are mentioning it, uh, um... wait a little bit with that. Okay. Because we, I, I do, I sometimes it's uh, when when we when I oh, when I talk about these uh, funding schemes, it's it's easy to to uh, slide around the different elements. But uh, mm -hmm. but I think if we just just I think for the structure uh, mm -hmm. and how they build up, so the 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 structure and the frame frame of the mm -hmm. program, I think it's pretty clear, right? Yeah. Is there? I, so. I have put here in the rundown the classic European Defense Fund project. Is there a sort of a a a, a quintessential sort of? Ma, I would say not that there is not a, a classic European Defense Fund project. Actually, in uh, 2021, there were projects that were ra uh, that were um, having a very different kind of budget. So, as you can imagine, correspondingly, there were very different kind of. Uh, Consortia defined mm -hmm. really different kind of activities and really different kind of uh, of projects implemented. What it is helpful is that the topic description indicates exactly what type of activities are expected. As I was mentioning before, studies, prototyping. So it guides a little bit more the applicant. It's not as detailed as a, as a tender for those that are more familiar with this kind of uh, funding. Um, opportunities, but it is uh, more clear and more detailed uh, respect to a topic in uh, Horizon Euro that is typically more open. Here, the Commission uh, is uh, telling you exactly what type of activities can be included inside the project and what are also some technical requirements uh, that needs to to be um, that you need to comply with. So there is no typical project. There are projects from that range uh, from. Uh, Three, four millions up to one hundred million. Mm -hmm. uh, this was the the spectrum 
that was funded in uh, 2021, mm -hmm. just to give you an example. And yeah. uh, we have uh, topics uh, that are um, very wide, so they, ha they are open. So the, to the open topics that I was mentioning before that are um, targeting to finance uh, several different projects and uh, others that are targeting to finance only one, two, or up to four projects. So I would say that uh, the range goes from uh, one to four and then several mm -hmm. projects. All right. Um, thanks. Let's move on. I have put here, I don't know if it's relevant actually to take it as a separate target group stakeholders. Should we move directly on to how to apply? Because then we might touch on this anyways. And And here I will be fading out of the first part of this introduction to the European Defense Fund. Second part of this double episode will be released next Monday. Here, Margarita and I will continue to uncover the EDF program. There, we will dig into target group stakeholders, how to apply, evaluation regime, what happens when funding is received, and, of course, do's and don'ts. Look forward to that. See you then. <laughs>